Hey, hi, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute. Is that right? Did I do it right? Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Superman 3 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies us, 1983 Superman 3, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me as always on this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. Howdy, Chris. Hey, Rob, how's it going? It's going well. So uh, for these five minutes, we're going to be, they're going to be starting with Gus and Ross making a deal, and they're going to end with some real super dickery. I'm looking forward to getting to it because as we said in the previous uh, segment, we're finally getting to see Superman uh, doing some real silver age kind of shenanigans. And uh, I'm having a lot of fun watching him uh, be a giant dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of, I mean, uh, spoiler warnings, this is probably the most evil thing he will do. Uh, yes. at the end of this one, but at the same time, I mean, yes, it is evil, but it's not like, he's not like evil Superman nowadays would like, like kill the whole city full of people. You know I mean? Uh, they, they made a whole video game off of it, you know, at this point, but it's like, he's just really, like you said, dickish jerk Superman, really. He's not extra really, Superman. I mean, well, Superman. I mean, the tanker is more than a prank, but, but yeah. that's, it is the worst thing he's going to do. But so far he's just being a, a, a nudge, you know, he's blowing yeah. up the Olympic torch and, He's just being kind of a jerk, and it's fun. As we said in the previous show, I imagine Christopher Reeve really enjoyed getting to play this. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, it looks like he did. Absolutely. So, all right, so in these five minutes, as I said, they're going to start with, uh, with Ross and Gus making a deal, and uh, Gus lays out his plan that he is going to build this supercomputer that is going to basically be able to control the world. And since Gus will be the one controlling the computer – and Ross is telling Gus what to do. You know, he's sort of saying to Ross, hey, you'll, you'll be able to run this computer through me that's going to be able to do anything. Now, there's an interesting moment here where as he's pulling out his notes and we see it's like written on napkins and like a camel cigarette pack. Again, another product placement for <laughs> we, we saw a liquor ad in the previous segment. Now we're seeing camel cigarettes. This is kids. Don't smoke. Don't drink. Yep. But as he's, as he's laying this out and he sees the form, formulas for all this stuff, Ross doesn't know what he's looking at. And you hear Lorelai say it's a computer, but she drops her bubblegum voice. Yeah. She forgets herself. And she just talks the way normal, uh, normally uh, Pamela Stevenson talks. And she just goes, it's a computer. And I like that moment. I like that in, in, in the, 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 the heat of this plot being hatched, Lorelai forgets to play her character. And no one else knows it. Uh, you know, Vera doesn't notice it. And Ross doesn't notice it. But I, I like that detail that she forgets. Yeah, I, I had that in my notes too. They're 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 so dismissive of her. Normally, they don't even notice that. Why does she? Why does she know what this is? I don't know what yep. this is. Yeah, that's that's a great little bit. I, again, that she's she's actually an, an interesting character. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's like I, as we as we go through and watch these, you know, uh, and and of course this is a this is a big segment for her that we're in right now. Um, and so it's it's interesting to watch to watch this character. And I, I like we said, I think there, she had a lot more potential than what they, than what they actually put on screen. But I think Pamela Stevens is a, does the, does the most she can with it and actually, 
and because there's little there's little moments and Lester gives her and and Richard Pryor some moments where they're looking back and forth at each other like in the previous minutes where they're talking about this plan and you kind of get the impression that you know maybe she's a little hesitant maybe we shouldn't be doing this but at the same time she's like ah what do I care you know but Mm -hmm. she hesitates for a minute so I think there's a little if you want to read into it there's a little more to this character than what's on the screen so absolutely and Pamela Stevenson was a, a talented comedic actress uh, she was mostly did british television but i knew her from her one season stint on saturday night live she was on the 1984 1985 season mm-hmm. and that was the year that had billy crystal and martin short and christopher guest and harry shearer i mean these you know big name comedic talents but she was still very funny and and did a lot of funny stuff and that had to be a tough year for other, for the other performers who were not as famous to pop when you've got heavyweights like those four on the cast, but she was still very funny. I mean, she was, she's very beautiful and that I'm sure that helped too to get noticed. But I remember her being very funny on, she was on weekend update a lot. And, and she only said she only lasted the one season, but uh, that, you know, that takes a certain amount of kind of performative grit to get noticed on a show like that. Cause we know that that show chews up and spits other performers out. Some very talented performers never really make it on that show, but I thought she was funny. Uh, on there even among you know the fact that there was like nine other cast members but so yeah she she had a lot a lot going on and yeah there probably was more to this character than than they probably could have than they they really uh, did with her um then we see gus working on his computer there's some great music here i like the uh the score here it's very ominous and it after so much silliness that we went through the middle section with the general patent stuff and all the all the flash you know the uh, streetlight gags um, I feel like the movie's getting kind of more serious again, mm-hmm. which is good. It's a Superman movie. I mean, it's it, it's always has some light comedy, but it is meant to be an action adventure movie to a certain extent, and with with uh, you know the the world world level stakes. And so I like that the the film is getting a little more serious again. Again, the music helps with that. I like the score overall. This footage of uh, Gus as he's reprogramming things. Yeah, I do. I do have a question though. Do you? So Gus is now going to build this supercomputer and I don't know. I feel like I never really thought about this before, but do you think that that's too much of a leap from where we started with Gus that he went from like, I don't even know why I'm so good at computers to now I want to build this, you know, artificial intelligence, basically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> his character is just kind of all over because, you know, is he, a shy, reluctant stooge with, you know, savant-like computer ability. Is he secretly a genius who just never got a break? Or as the trailer put it, is he the best con man? You know, I mean, it's, wh- who is Gus Gorman? You know, That's that- <laughs> a good question. Because he does seem like a, cl- you know, all the stuff with the skiing. Then he's like being a complete clown. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I mean, again, you can't read too much into it because this movie doesn't allow that. But it's, right. to me, it's like he's a savant. He's just like, he didn't know that he was good at this. And now that it's in front of him, he realizes that he has a natural, uh, a preternatural inclination for it. And so, like they say about microchip processing power, that it like doubles every or like, you know, whatever scales up every eight minutes or something. I don't know what the formula is. But there's something about how much microchips can process and it keeps tripling and quadrupling at a, at a ridiculous speed. He, that's him, his brain, yeah. when it comes to computers, his brain is that good. He's just like, and so, you know, yeah, it is a big leap that he never even used a computer by the beginning of the movie. And now he's building artificial intelligence, but okay. It's a Superman movie. You gotta, you know, because Superman movie to quote Michael Bailey. 
Right, right. I do think it's funny, too, that he's – it looks like he's at WebSco headquarters uh, commanding the ships to, you know, all go in one direction. But as you pointed out earlier, when he first started these shenanigans, he had to go to the Wheat King office in Smallville <laughs> so he wouldn't be detected. But now they're like, ah, who cares? Just go yeah. downstairs. <laughs> I play, and Superman's off the grid. He's, you know what I mean? Like, he's not looking so we can get away with this stuff. That's true, yeah. <laughs> He's not paying attention. So uh, then we get to some uh, the, this footage of these two miners talking. We see there's like an oil rig. Uh, we see the one, the, I forget the name of the, the actual tool that's digging up. It looks like a giant metal praying mantis, by the way. When it's, yeah, it does. Yeah, up. the big pump. And, yeah. yeah, the big pump. And so we have these two um, miners. And according to IMDb, uh, we don't really see either one of these guys very, uh, very long. And, and we hear, we only hear them very briefly. But according to IMDb, the two actors playing the miners, the first miner, I don't know who they determine who the first miner is versus the second miner. There's one guy with a blue shirt and there's another guy with a checkered shirt. But the first miner is the actor named Chris Malcolm, who passed away in 2014. He had an amazing bunch of credits. He was in Labyrinth. He was in Ragtime, a movie that I've been mentioning across Superman 3 because yep. they were making it at the same time. Uh, a movie called Highlander, which apparently some people really liked. Uh, and uh, his his biggest role for us fellow nerds, he is Rogue Two in Empire Strikes Back. Whoa. He's the guy that finds Han Solo the morning after he saves uh, Luke in the in the Tauntaun. He's the, I found him. Repeat, I found him. That's Chris Malcolm. So good for you, buddy. That's a hell of a bunch of credits. Oh, man. I wonder if he hit the convention circuit and made some money off that. I hope so. I mean, <laughs> I hope he did too. <laughs> just between Star Wars, Superman, and Highlander, that's a, that's a bunch of geek credit. So, yeah, good yeah. for him. Um, and then the other actor playing the second minor is Larry Lamb. He had a more limited career, a lot of British TV. He's also credited as first reporter in Superman the movie. Hmm. Uh, so, I guess he's one of the reporters in Perry's stable when Perry's doing the, you know, what was the guy under that cape? Batteries? I guess he's one of those guys. I don't know. Yeah, so he must be. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, he's credited as the miner. So they have this conversation uh, about the, the – and then the, we see the, the oil, the, the derricks like, – not the derrick, but like the, the drills stops. So obviously, there's trouble going on there. And then we cut back to Ross at his giant uh, platform, and we see obviously time has gone by because they're in different outfits. He's in a suit. Lorelai's in like this – reflective kind of thing and then vera's there too. i noticed vera never gets a costume change she always dresses like ilsa she will for the ss through this whole movie yeah she does <laughs> that's a good yeah. point yeah. yeah she's never everybody gets i mean ross has different suits uh and they get lorelei they dress in all sorts of things but uh but yeah vera's the same outfit um and then they, we talked we, we talk about the uh the tanker that uh, the uh, that they're trying to control, and we see a, a navy man pull off uh, like a um, alpha like a, a, a communique from the dot matrix printer. And anybody of a certain age remembers dot matrix printers. Yep, and that paper that you could never do anything else with. Um, I couldn't find out who this guy was. He was not credited on IMDb. He gets a couple of lines. Yeah, uh, but he's not credited. Strange enough, but the oil tanker captain. Uh, is Robert Beatty. He passed away in 1992. He was in a bunch of movies, The Pink Panther Strikes Again, Where Eagles Dare, 2001, A Space Odyssey. But more specific for us Superman fans, he is the president of the United States in Superman IV, The Quest for Peace. 
Yes, he is. The very disheveled looking president <laughs> who just sits there like and like like no president's ever given an address like he does in that movie. But yeah. Well, that, yeah, well <laughs> not now, but OK. Well, I meant looking like that and just like True. he looks literally like he's been up. You know, it's like they don't even bother to like, you know, straighten his tie or give him a shave. He's, you right. know, he, he looks like he looks like utter hell. Well, well guys, we got to give up. It's over. You know, I mean, which is just like, OK, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he is the president in Superman 4 yeah yeah and and I also saw that he was uh, in a, a storyline of uh, Doctor Who in 1966 so that's for Shag and Siskoid uh, <laughs> and in the 1940 Suicide Squadron film no relation so <laughs> yeah. yeah where's that cut no uh, yeah <laughs> yeah there is that that film from the 40s called the Suicide Squad which is very interesting uh, whether I don't know whether that's ever available anywhere it'd be kind of fun to watch just to see what you know what is that thing exactly and so but uh, anyway his his subordinate tells him that they have to head off to metropolis uh, or head off they head off to some other coordinate coordinates and this captain is like no i'm not doing that i don't care what anybody tells me we're headed to uh we're headed to metropolis and that's where we're going uh and that's and so and he's busy uh doing his putts he's playing uh, he's got his he's got his golf ball and he's practicing but he's basically not taking whatever orders the uh he doesn't realize the computer is giving him his rogue computer is giving him orders but he's not following them. see i feel like more people would have just done that you know i mean yeah. honestly I, I don't i don't think this plot would have gotten very far really i mean it yeah for for a movie a, a villain super villain plot yeah it's but it, it takes it would, you know, the people doing it would have to be really stupid to f- just blindly follow this. Well, I'm just going to sit out in the middle of the Atlantic for in a 50 mile radius for like days and days while no oil is delivered. You know, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of talk a little not too long ago about like could certain members of the government you know, defy the orders of of someone above them if they thought those orders were illegal or incorrect? And they said there is some contingencies in there. They, when you're, when you're that high a level, uh, you don't have to just follow orders blindly. You can actually be like, wait a minute, I'm not doing that. That, that countermands everything that I've been told this is I'm supposed to be doing. So there is a little bit of room for that. Now, maybe the idea that he's playing golf is trying to suggest that he's kind of not paying that much. Attention. I don't know. Maybe that would be the other way around. Maybe if he was that much of a um, kind of lazy, he would have just taken the order because what does he care? But right. you get the sense that maybe he, you know, he's like, no, 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 I, I have a mission and I'm going to fulfill it, uh, even though he's kind of not taking it terribly seriously. He doesn't even stop playing golf while he's talking to the guy. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of get the feeling that this guy's. It's more like this guy's a maverick and and he he does things his own way. That's why he's you know he's busy putting on on the on his ship. You yeah. know when he. <laughs> I like this guy, you know, right off the bat, just because yep. he's like, he's, he's definitely going against the grain. So, yep. yeah. Uh, so then we cut to the Statue of Liberty. And this is another thing where uh, the Superman movies make no effort to uh, separate Metropolis and New York. No, <laughs> it's straight up. We know that New York is Metropolis and vice versa. Because in the first film, Superman's flying around Metropolis and he flies around the Statue of Liberty. And you're like, well, wait a minute, that's New York. <laughs> And I'm not, I'm not certain that that isn't, this footage isn't from that, you know, from that. Right. It wouldn't surprise me if it's not footage from, I didn't compare it if it's footage that's actually in the movie, but it wouldn't surprise me if this aerial shot going around the statue isn't from the, the, can you read my mind flying sequence of yeah, Superman? Why not? Movie. You've already got it. I mean, why, why go out and get a helicopter and shoot it again? 
who's right. going to notice. Right. Uh, but then something very new happens where we get a, <laughs> we get a close up of Lorelai looking very fetching in this red kind of Marilyn Monroe outfit and her hair is permed and she's in these high heels sitting on the crown of the Statue of Liberty. And, you know, first of all, how'd she get there? Uh, you can't just climb up there. Um, but she is just a regular person. I don't know about you. I would feel very nervous about sitting that high up uh, at the Statue of Liberty. I mean, that was, you know, you, humans are not meant to climb up there. I'm sure that they have uh, ability for construction people and people that work at the Statue of Liberty to do it. But just a regular person, uh, she looks, I mean, again, she's a supervillain in the context of this movie and people do stuff that we wouldn't normally do. But to me, just, I get vertigo even looking at it. Cause you're like, it's probably very cold as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the wind, I mean, the way she's just casually sitting, I can't imagine that the wind couldn't just like blow her off at mm-hmm. any moment, you know, and it, she seems bored. I mean, yep. <laughs> she's just like, I mean, it's, it's one of those cases where you, you know, they don't, uh, the, the unreality of the film, you know, is, is definitely, it, it's these little moments like this. You're like, okay, this is, this is not in any way the real world, you know, because, you know, like you said, who, who would get up there even for a plot like this? And, you know, I mean, I mean, they had, you know, in, in some ways this is a similar, similar plan to the way they use Miss Tessmacher in the whole missile uh, ploy, Absolutely. Uh, you know, in the red dress. And, uh, but, you know, they showed in that movie that, you know, it was it was difficult for Miss Tessmacher to you know climb up the the bridge in that in that dress. They mm-hmm. showed that it was difficult. Here, she's just plopped onto the the crown of the statue. We don't know how she got there. You know, we it's just like literally she just like walked up a set of flight of stairs and came out through the statue's hair and and then <laughs> sat down on this crown or something. You know, yeah, <laughs> which doesn't like, exist obviously. No, which is not exist. <laughs> uh, so then Superman arrives and they have this coming and he. He stands there with his hands on his hips and he's kind of, it's funny the way they talk to each other. It's like, he doesn't even really question her. Like, what are you doing here? He just talks to her. Like he's just picking up a girl at a bar. He's uh, like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I was like, I hope you don't expect me to save it. Cause I don't do that anymore. Don't you know? do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like, All right. Like it's, it's almost like a, like a knockoff film noir kind of thing. This sort of hard bitten, you know, it's, it's not that far, but it's almost like, Hey doll, you know, it's that kind of slight, uh, slight tone to it. And then, okay. I feel bad about this, even mentioning it, but it, it, you know we're here to talk about this movie five minutes at a time. It can't be a coincidence that as the Superman walks over to Lorelai and then we get a close-up of Lorelai, the shot is Lorelai looking right at Superman's crotch, right? Yes. I, that was not accidental. I'm not being a perv, right? No, no. It's the way that that is framed. I mean, yeah. she is basically... Eye level, eye level with Superman's junk. I mean, yeah. there's, there's just no two ways about it. I mean, it's okay. It's not me. All right. No, no. And I mean, you know, famously, you know, you know, they had to Christopher Reeve, of course, had to wear a cod piece because if he didn't, then you'd see way too much detail and stuff. But you know, he's got you know a super pouch basically mm-hmm. <laughs> right in her face. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, you know, not to be not to be lewd and crude, but uh, I couldn't help it though. You look at the shot. Like, no. Look, there's there's so many ways to frame the shot, and that's how you framed it. You're doing that on purpose, which made it's, me kind of go, "This movie was PG." Okay. Yeah, I mean, more more than I mean, you know, in, in some ways than you know, because of the I mean, Miss Tessmacher was obviously you know it's Valerie Perrine. <laughs> Miss Tessmacher was very sexy, but you know. Uh, Lorelai's character like ups that because she's got that whole you know that uh, 
cutesy Betty Boop voice, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, you know, and, and she even says, you know, she says, I'm long past saving, you know, the way she says that. <laughs> I mean, and, and she's, you know, the way she's played out too. I mean, like her, I mean, I'm not, we're, this sounds like we're dirty old men, but I mean, this is obviously intended to say sex, 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 sex. Yes, totally. Because her legs are spread out yep. as she's yep. laying on. I mean, you know, it's like, in, it, it, yeah, it's, it's very provocative in, in like every, every instance of this scene is meant to say, yes, this is, there's a lot of heat going on right here. <laughs> I have to wonder what parents thought when taking their kids to this, taking little kids to this movie and then getting that part where they just were like, mm, I remember getting okay. that Superman poster magazine, which you, you sent me a new copy of that a few a while back. Uh, the Superman oh, right, right, right. Poster magazine. And there is a centerfold poster of, of Pamela Stevenson in this outfit uh, in, in that, in that, uh, and you know, back then I'm like, what do I do with this? You know, <laughs> it's just well. like, I, I like, I like this, but I feel I feel bad for what I feel like I shouldn't like this as much as I like it. You know, I'm only like eight, you know, nine, whatever, but I, I, I like this. Yeah. You know, so it's like, uh, um, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it, it brought up, you know, this, this is one of those things. It's like, huh. Trying to translate feelings. You're just not able to understand at that. I'm at not that prepared point. To, to deal with these feelings right now, but I'm pretty sure I like girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I we said that I said that back when we did Superman movie minute. I was seven when I saw the Superman movie, and I knew I liked Miss Tesswager. I didn't know why. Right, I knew that I knew that I did. <laughs> you know? The same reason, like, why do I, I? I even when Wonder Woman the episodes aren't that good, I just enjoy watching Wonder it's a Woman. Fun show. I don't. It's just, I don't I, I just it. why do I enjoy watching her run so much? I don't. So understand. much better than the Hulk. I don't understand why. <laughs> anyway, so so yeah, there's that whole scene, and they uh, and so Lorelai basically uh, talks Superman into doing something, ramping up the dickery, uh, as it were, and then we see him flying across uh, the sea to this oil tanker because of course the oil tanker is not doing the thing that the computer once uh, told it to do. So therefore they have to figure out a way to, to kind of, you know, go around this. So Superman uh, flies to this uh, tanker and by, and I, I, uh, I mentioned the music earlier part of the episode. I like that in this part, it's the music from when Zod and the other villains were destroying stuff. Yeah. That same, it's that same exact music. And yep. that, that, that's cool. It's great music. I mean, again, I don't know what the creatively how it works. I mean, like you borrow music from another film because then you're not the composer of it. But obviously when you're working with sequels, there are themes that you're repeating. You're going to keep using the John Williams theme and stuff because you'd be crazy not to. But I like that it's these, I mean, and it's fun that the music was used under the villains and here it's being used under Superman, which is of course, you know, it's upsetting. You don't want to see Superman. That, that music doesn't belong to Superman doing stuff. And yet that's what's going on. Cause now he is, he's again, he's ramping it up. Yeah. It's the evil Kryptonian music. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's yep. like, you know, when they, they first played it on in Superman, the movie, when uh, Jor-El was, they were sentencing them, the Phantom Zone villains, you know, to the Phantom Zone. Um, and then, you know, it was the theme of the whole Phantom Zone crew in Superman too. And yeah, it's, it's the evil Superman theme in, in this movie. And I, I really, I really like that. And, and, and in this sequence, we can see that Superman's colors are, have completely changed. And oddly enough, they're the exact same colors they used for Brandon Routh's costume in Superman Returns. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh <laughs> Which I've always like, as soon as that, the first photograph of him came out, especially the maroon instead of the red, you know, it's like, 
the dark brownish red or whatever you want to call it. It's like, that looks like Superman's costume from Superman three when he was evil. Why are they doing that? You know, <laughs> uh, which I mean, that's not, and, and Brandon Routh in no ways played Superman that way. There's nothing no. against him, but it was just it at all. I liked his portrayal, but it, it, it's, it was just an odd choice. It was mm-hmm. an odd choice. Yeah. Everything's so. all muted. Everything's yeah. all muted. Uh, yeah. There is a brief moment where we see Superman kind of waking up from the effects uh-huh. of the thing where he kind of like is we see that. And it's it's amazing that what Chris Reeve can do with just, I mean, I want to say just his face. That's what actors use their faces. But he can he does a lot with very little where he can just his face because he has that scowl. And then he kind of brightens up a little and he seems kind of being like, where, where? And then he goes right back into it. And I like that little moment that the, the this fake kryptonite is not consistent. It doesn't have its hold on him permanently. I like that he pops in and out, and then he kind of reverts back to being uh, evil Superman. But I, I like that little moment that it's like he—it's something that he's struggling with internally. Yeah, and I mean it's 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 setting up stuff that'll happen later, and it's it's a nice little bit that he does that head shake. It's almost like like when you have like a really bad headache all of a sudden, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. you like shake your head and your eyes kind of uh, you close your eyes and pop your eyes open wide and. Oh yeah, it's and you blink and it's just, it's really well done. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Uh, then he smashes into the the tanker and we see the the tanker captain's golf balls are falling all over the place. So that's terrible. Uh, and then we see <laughs> Superman just ripping the metal open and punching his way through into the hull, so the oil starts to shoot out. And you know we haven't we we saw it a lot in the first movie and we saw it in the second too. I don't want to under, I want to undersell it. But these movies because of the level of special effects how complicated things were. Nowadays with the Marvel movies and even you know all the other superhero movies, we're used to seeing superheroes doing these amazing things. But in these older movies that was still few and far between. Yeah. Because it was harder to do. So it was just cool to see Superman let it rip. You know, he doesn't get yeah. a chance to do it all that much and here he's punching through metal which is something that as a comic book fan, you love seeing Superman do. And it's cool to see a live action Superman doing. Yeah. I mean, this is really, really, really well done. It looks really great. I mean, he, when he first flies in, he goes through that, like the outer, the outer hull of the ship. And, and then he, you know, takes his hands and rips that apart and then punches into the tanker and then rips that out. And in the way they've got like Superman's like, literally like he's, he's levitating, but he's kind of like, you know, uh, kind of standing against the edge of the ship, which is mm-hmm. something you don't see that often. I mean, we did in Superman one, you know, it's like something wrong with the elevator. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, but um, it's, it's just really, this is a really, really nice sequence here to show Superman's powers. I mean, he's doing an awful thing, but it, <laughs> but like we said, it, it's really cool. It's really, really super well done. I mean, they, yeah. they, they did a great job right there. I also like in the, the establishing shot, uh, well, the long shot, really, where Superman is, is up against the ship and we see the, the oil gushing. Um, clearly, that part of the set was built. And then the top part of the tanker is a matte painting. You can sort of tell that it's a little bit faded. And it's a great matte painting. I mean, it's really good. And I can only imagine how hard that must have been for some matte artist to draw all those ladders and scaffolding and all that tech stuff. Um, but it looks, it looks really good. I mean, it's a nice blending of the, of the real and the, the matte painting. And then we see the, uh, the guys on the ship are noticing that the pressure levels of all the oil are sinking. And then these 20 minutes, these, uh, these five minutes are going to end right as we see this giant bunch of goo draining out into the ocean. And we said earlier that, yeah, the other, none of the stuff Superman does in this movie is 
you know, straight up, well, it's, this is evil. This is, although said, this is definitely evil. This can be corrected, but it still is upsetting to right. see the ocean. Uh, where's Aquaman where you need him? To see the ocean get, <laughs> you know, bathed in goo um, in any context, but seeing Superman do it, it's, it's, it's certainly the worst thing we've ever seen Superman do to this point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I just I wrote down. I bet Super. I bet Aquaman just walked up to Superman at the next JLA meeting and cold cocked him for this. You know, <laughs> I would. Well, I wouldn't cold cock Superman, but yeah, certainly yeah. give him right. Read him the riot act for this. Absolutely. Right. Right. <laughs> and that's it. That's where these minutes are going to end with uh, the oil spilling out of Superman flying away, having uh, performed uh, in his mind a good job. And so it's it's very upsetting, and it's only going to get worse for at least a little while. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. It it's it, but this is uh yeah, we're 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 definitely into evil Superman territory now. He's he's uh well, like you said, not not evil by today's standards the way they where they would go if you had an evil Superman. Uh but um yeah, it's it's uh it's pretty exciting and I mean, I like we said this um the whole thing with him and Lorelai, it's uh you know that not, I meant to bring that up when we were talking about that, not to go back to that, but you know we had that conversation in the previous minutes about how Lana seemed really worried that Superman mm-hmm. was acting strange, but uh, oddly enough, Lorelai does not seem to be afraid of this this super you know she's more excited about the idea of mm-hmm. of being around this this version of Superman, which says a lot about her character and a lot about Lana's character, I think. <laughs> Because it could be dangerous for anybody. Let's just yes. put it that way. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because it hadn't occurred to me, but it might have been nice to, during this sequence, to have a cutaway of Lana like watching this on television and being yeah. like horrified at what's going on. Because obviously he's getting worse. She can tell he's getting worse. That might have been nice just to cut back to Annette O'Toole. Well, it's always nice to cut back to Annette O'Toole. Yeah. Whatever movie it is. Even if she's not in the movie, just cut back to Annette O'Toole. <laughs> in general, I think that's just a good move. But it, that would have been fun to just see her at home watching this on the news and being like horrified that yeah. Superman is doing this. That might have been a nice touch. Yeah, and it actually, it actually would have been a nice because it, you know, it, it would kind of set up how all this gets resolved. Too, yep. but, you that's know, right. It, yeah. So we're making a better movie for the for yeah. 30 years <laughs> yeah, we later. We're getting to nerd out and be all like, all right, you should have done this guys. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, all right, well, that's going to do it for, for these five minutes. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Of course, uh, if you were always talking Superman movies over on Twitter at Superman movement, all the back episodes of the show are on our website, fineWaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to Superman, Superman movie minute on any podcatcher of your choice. We have to thank Alex Robinson, Pete, the retailer, uh, who started this format and you can check out all the movies by minutes shows over at moviesbyminutes.com. And then finally, if you want to support the fine water podcast network, just go to patreon.com slash FW podcast. And there you can unlock various rewards. One of which is to be name checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Superman's pal, Henry Bernstein for his support of Superman movie minute. Yay. Yay. So <laughs> that's going to do it for me and Chris. We'll be back uh, later. Come back next time though, as the adventure continues with Superman three movie minute. Giorgio, per favore. E grazie.